had it not been. While Carrie was singing, I was thinking, now back in 1971, my wife and I were lost on our way to hell. Here I was, a popular disc jockey up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I got asked to play softball with the church team. For the first time in my life, I heard I was a sinner. First time in my life, I found out I was going to hell because I was a sinner. First time in my life, I found out who Jesus was. I did not know that he was the Son of God. Didn't know that he died on the cross on purpose to pay my sin debt. That he was buried and rose three days later from the dead. That if I could put my trust in him, if I would put my trust in him, he'd give me eternal life. Thank God on that Saturday night in the fall of 1971, I bowed my head at the radio station I was working and asked Christ to save me. Everything about my life changed. Most important thing, my destiny changed. It changed from going to hell to going to heaven. And I want to tell you what, Brother Popwell, it's been a joy walking with the Lord. And been a thrill to serve him. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. A very familiar portion of scripture. Beginning in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. If I was the title of the message this morning, it would be this. Again, the battle continues. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I plead again this morning for the filling of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, speak to hearts today. If there's any here that have never been born again, may the words of the Lord Jesus ring in their hearts Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Lord, convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, that they would see their need for the Son of God and turn to Jesus and be saved. I pray, Heavenly Father, for believers today, challenge our hearts to stand therefore. We live in a wicked day, so much all about us. But God, help us to stand for you and your truth. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm convinced the answer to all of our real problems of life, the answer to all the real problems of our life are found in the scripture. I believe God has given us everything that we need in this book. I believe this book is true. It has doctrines that teach us and ground us. It has warnings to alert us and to prepare us. It has rebukes to correct us. It has promises to sustain us. And it has encouragements encouragements to comfort us. 
the battle for right has been going on for a long time. The battle for truth. As a matter of fact, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And when the devil first shows up in the garden, the first words out of his mouth are this. Yea, hath God said? Trying to cast doubt on the word of God. It's been at least 6,000 years since then. And guess what? The battle over what God said is still raging. It hasn't stopped. And it's up to every generation of born-again believers to realize that the battle is for truth. You may remember that back in 19, or not 19, in 2016, that the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year was post-truth. Now, whereas a lot of church people may not know the definition of that, you should know it because I've given it to you a number of times. Starting in 2016 with post-truth, it had the definition that it doesn't have to really be true in order to be true. If you just believe that something is true, then it's true because you believe it and that's it. In other words, a student can put down on their test paper 2 plus 2 equals 5 and you can't count them off because if they truly believe 2 plus 2 is 5, then it is 5. In other words, it's simply wiping out all truth, that all truth is relative. The Lord Jesus Christ said otherwise. The Lord Jesus Christ said to the Father of His Word in John chapter 17, Thy Word is truth. Jesus described Himself as the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We've got a true word. We've got a true Savior. He's right. You say, well, preacher, fighting the same battle over and over and over and over again, it gets kind of weary. Well, I'm sure it does. There are times that I've been weary. But the battle for right, as long as it's been going on, still needs to be fought. You know, most wars, for instance, only last just a few years. But I read about one the other day. It was called the Hundred Years' War. Now, the Hundred Years' War was a series of conflicts that was waged from 1337 to 1453. So that's more than 100 years. It was between the Kingdom of England and the Kingdom of France, and it was for control of the French throne. Now, there were many allies of both countries that ended up getting into the war that was being fought. The war had its root, a disagreement over dynasties uh, dating back to the time of William the Conqueror, who became the King of England in 1066 while retaining possession of the Duchy of Normandy, which, as you know, is on the main uh, the continent there of Europe uh, as part of France. As the rulers of Normandy and other nations on the, on the continent, the, England, the English kings owed federal homage, I'm sorry, not federal, but feudal homage to the king of France. In 1337, are you taking notes? Are you writing this down? There's going to be a test here before you can get out the door. 1337, Edward III of England refused to pay homage to Philip VI of France leading to the French king to claim confiscation of Edward's lands there in Normandy. For that, they fought. That means a whole lot of people died. 
Do you realize that means there were a lot of people that their grandfather was at the beginning of the war, their father fought during the war, they fought, and their children and their grandchildren fought. That's a lot of fighting going on for a hundred years. At least when we've been involved in wars in this country, you're talking about four or five years is a long war. Imagine the same war for a hundred years. Now, that was over a throne. But I've been saved now for 51 years since I got saved in 1971, 52 years in the fall of this coming year. Since I trusted Christ as Savior, God called me to preach in 1974. And since I've been preaching, I have been preaching this book right here. I've been preaching the truths of this book. And over that time, we have seen a number of battles erupt. As a matter of fact, even long before that, for instance, you go back into the 1800s, and there was what was called higher criticism. Among the higher critics, they didn't believe that the Bible was all the Word of God, just as there are many today who do not believe that it is inerrant and infallible, but it is. It's amazing, Brother Weeks, all the, all the attacks upon the Word of God, and yet it still stands. You'd think somewhere along the line they'd get a clue you know, nobody's ever proven it wrong concerning anything. And there are no contradictions in this book. I've read through it. I don't know how many times. What a wonderful, marvelous book this is given by God to man. It's his love letter to us to tell us how we can know him. He tells us what we are and how we can know him. But you see, the wolves come along. There used to be a time when every independent Baptist church, whereas they may have disagreed about some things, they all agreed of this one thing, that this book is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of the living God, and that its message was true from beginning to end. That's not the case today. Like every other denomination that's come along that started out with the firm belief in the Word of God, as new people moved in, I believe for the most part, people who claim to be saved who never were. I believe in many cases it was simply tares among the wheat. The Apostle Paul even warned the church at Ephesus that there would be such wolves in sheep's clothing who come in to devour the flock. And it's happening today even among independent Baptists. But he warns us about the battles that we would fight. As he said in the passage that we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. In high places. It's still going on. As I look at this passage of scripture today, I, th I see three specific areas where he deals with this. First of all, he talks about the wiles of the devil, and they're there, of course, to deceive us. Now, he's tricky. He's been tricky for a long time. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, We are not ignorant of his devices. And the devil hasn't changed. He uses the same devices. Now, he's got some technology today to use that he didn't have before, but basically his attacks are in the same general areas as before. But think about what he has to work with. The Bible tells us we have heart trouble. 
Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Every one of us have a problem with our heart, which is why the scripture warns us, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If you're not careful, you'll lose your heart. Not only that, there is the deceitfulness of sin itself. Scripture says, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, exhort one another daily while it is called today. Hebrews 13, or 3 in verse 13. Plus is tricky wiles to man, because the way of man is not in himself. It is not a man that walketh to direct his steps, according to Jeremiah. So he'll give us excuses. He'll give us excuses. Well, tomorrow I'll get right with God. Well, tomorrow I'll get saved. Tomorrow I'll decide finally to get faithful to the Lord. Tomorrow. Or they'll say things like this. Well, yeah, I know that's not the best thing to do, but it won't hurt me. I can stop in time how many drunkards have lost their family, lost their jobs and everything that they had, thinking somehow they'd control it. For that matter, it's interesting. All this talk about cannabis that's gone on in the last few years, that it is the miracle drug that stops everybody from pain, what they didn't tell them because it gets them so stoned they don't feel anything. And now we're finding that after just a brief time of this stuff being sold legally around the country, that it is affecting people mentally and emotionally for bad. They have no control of themselves, and they lose more and more control the more that they're in it, over and over again. You know, it's kind of like, I'm sorry, it's kind of like getting the, uh, the COVID shot. You need it to stay alive. And I saw some statistics just yesterday that the United States and Canada both, I think they had about a 70 or 80 percent uh, COVID vaccination rate. I'm not preaching. I'm just using it as an illustration here. And uh, in Africa, they only had about a 15 percent. In the United States, 330 million Americans, thousands of people died. Africa, with over 1 billion people, didn't have as many deaths to COVID as did the United States. That's amazing stuff. And that doesn't count the people who got hurt by the shots themselves. According to the CDC itself, more adverse effects from the COVID vaccine in three years than all the other vaccines that we've ever taken in this country. That's phenomenal. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to confuse you with truth here. Let me move on. But the devil will give excuses like this. But what about all the hypocrites in church? Oh, listen, Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Don't you worry about the hypocrites. God can take care of them. Just make sure you're not one. Like what one preacher told a person that said, I'm not going to go to church because of hypocrites there. And, And he said, well, at least ours are faithful. Amen. God says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 14, 12, again, There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 28 and verse 26, It is a fool that trusteth in his own heart. You see, the devil in society says, Follow your heart. And God says, If you do, you're facing death. It's a fool that trusts their own heart. 
You trust God and you trust God by his word. Here, he tells us what's right for living, what's right in decision making. As I've already mentioned, I mentioned the other day, it was the first time that I had heard it. They had a big seminar, uh, a, a training time for pastors to teach. And this was Independent Baptist, by the way, which is what I am. And they were having a training to teach them to transition from the King James Bible to all the other translations that were there. And now, at, at, this is a new thing among Independent Baptists. Why on earth would I transition from the truth? Do you realize if you leave the truth, you're now in a lie? How can I help people with a lie when I've got the truth that does help people and has helped people over the years? It saved souls, saved mine. Gave me the gospel of Christ, for the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. After getting saved, we sought to live our life according to God's word. I'd hate to think that I'd be turning families to turn away from God's word to just follow some new thing that supposedly is supposed to be easier to understand. I like what somebody said one time when Dallas was the raging television show of the day. They said, well, you couldn't understand Dallas either if you only watched one line a night. There are some people, they never read their Bible, but once in a great, great while, and they think, well, I can't understand it. You've heard me say many times, I've had people say it to me, but preacher, all the these and the thous. It means you. How hard is that? I mean, we're supposed to be an advanced civilization. We ought to know the hard words like thee and thou. And by the way, if you don't, Google it. So now here we got people that are just like the higher critics back in the 1800s who are basically saying, just take all your different translations and it, it just lay them out there. And the one that you like about a certain subject, you take that one and then you take this one and then you take that one because the truth is in all of them. Can't be. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want an every word Bible, not a thought Bible. Thoughts are made up of words. You change the words, you change the thoughts. Now we've got a, a, a Bible college graduate, still wet behind the ears, has never done anything really for God in the way of accomplishing anything, building a work, building a church. He reads the preface to the King James Bible, written by the translators of the King James Bible, interprets it out of the context of the day in which it was written, trying to apply it to arguments that are going on today that they were not even referring to. And now suddenly, because he wrote a little book on that, he is an expert on the preface. Listen, do you realize the preface to the King James Bible is not the King James Bible? The preface is not the Holy Scripture. It's what the translators wanted to pass on as a message to all that would read it. That's what it was. But this book, this is the Word of God. And forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. But it's amazing to me how somebody just out of school who's only spent a couple of years studying the Bible suddenly thinks they are the experts to teach people who've been studying it and preaching it for decades. But you see, we've got the internet today. 
And as long as you know how to plug it in and put something on it, it must be true because it's on the Internet. How sad. So the battle is today with the wiles of the devil to deceive us, we need to make sure we're firmly grounded in the truth of the word of God. But not only are there the wiles of the devil to deceive us, but there is the battle to defeat us. If you look at verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. I want you to know, child of God, you surrender to serve the Lord, you're getting into the battlefield. You know, if, uh, if you were to go to a professional football game, you would see people in the game and you would see people along the sidelines and people in the stands. Do you know that none of those guys who were out there fighting that battle on the field, all of those guys that are out there, They're tackling, they're blocking, they're hitting one another. Let me tell you who doesn't get hit. The guys on the sidelines. Have you noticed that? Say, I want to carry the ball. Well, then you're going to get tackled. As the songwriter said, it's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. You get into the battle and say, I'm, I, I want to start helping in the bus ministry. I, I, I want to start working in junior church. Man, I want to go out and knock on doors and win souls to Christ. I want to do the, expect a trial. The devil's not going to be happy with you serving the Lord, and surely he's going to fight it. There are a lot of people don't get bothered much by the devil. They're not doing anything for God now. He wants them to stay that way, leaves them alone. All right, so you have some trouble with some things. You've got a God who can see you through it. I mean, I've seen people get laid off work just after surrendering, start teaching a Sunday school class. Or some sickness comes in the family, some financial problems. And too many get defeated in the battle. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. At church, sometimes we, get, uh, we seem to get shot from our own side. Friendly fire, you know. Yeah, you know, people, will, people are thoughtless from time to time. But may I say, if you think someone has been thoughtless and made some comment to you that really hurt your feelings, I'll guarantee you, you've made some comments that have hurt other people's feelings. So how do you deal with that? Grow up. Grow up. We have become such a sissy society. We get offended at every little thing. We get troubled and bothered because people don't give me the proper respect that I deserve or that I think I deserve. Oh, that's so tough. I got news for anybody that's ever accomplished anything on this planet has had to go through some trials. Um, One of my favorite sayings is any old dead fish can swim downstream. And there's a whole bunch of them floating down the river in East Palestine. That's in Ohio right now. Hello, paying attention to what's going on. Well, I got more I can tell you about that. But anyway, hey, as a preacher, man, you're always in a battle. And do you know that the, 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 the Internet only made the battle hotter? I mean, it used to be, you know, you preach, somebody didn't like it. They go out shaking their hand and grumbling about it, you know. Uh, maybe say something unkind, get on the phone during the week, call some people and complain about it. They don't do that today. Today they get on their Facebook site or their Instagram site or they go TikTok and, and um, to tell everybody what a mean guy you are. 
Thank God I've got the truth right here in God's Word. I'm going to stand on it. Write whatever you want on Facebook. That's fine. I've got a God who can take care of me. By the way, it's the same way with our missionaries. Our missionaries have battles. They have fights. It gets tough. Sometimes it's caused by foreign governments. Sometimes it's simply caused by people they're trying to reach. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, he said, remember the word that I've spoken unto you. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours. Did they persecute Jesus? Yes. And he was perfect. None of us are. We all have failings. There's no doubt some of the stuff that we get, Brother Larry, that we deserve. But Jesus was perfect. And he said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So grow up. Grow up, understand that's part of getting in the battle. That's just the way it is. Some of you uh, know the name Dr. Lee Robertson, of course. He pastored Highland Park Baptist Church for a number of years, started Tennessee Temple Schools. After he'd been in the ministry for about 55 years, I'd had him come preach for me, took him out to eat at Shoney's, one of his favorite places to eat after the service. And uh, he looked at me across the table and he said, Brother Allison, he said, this has been the most difficult year in my life. And I thought, no, don't tell me that. I thought after 50 years, you ought to get to coast just a little bit. But there wasn't any coasting, man. He had battles to fight too. Hey, the rest comes when you get to glory. For right now, there's going to be some challenges you're going to have to face. So there is a battle to defeat us and there's a devil to deceive us. And then notice in verse uh, 13, there is the evil day to defile us. Notice what it says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in what kind of a day? The evil day. Now, I know every generation has always thought that their, their day was the evilest day that's ever been. I don't know whether or not this day is the evilest day that's ever been, but I'm going to tell you it's pretty wicked. It's pretty wicked. We got all kinds of wickedness going on around this nation just by itself. All kinds of wickedness going on, and because of post-truth, they all think it's okay. We're still murdering over a million babies a year legally in this country. Roe v. Wade, by the way, the undoing of Roe v. Wade did not stop abortions in the United States. Do you understand that? It was never a constitutional right to begin with. Never. So the people who ruled that it was, they, they can't read Read your constitution. You don't find anything in there about there's a constitutional right to kill your baby as long as it's in the mother's womb. According to God, it's still sin. It is still murder. We live in an evil day. Today, you realize there was a time, you go back to the 1950s, 1960s, and we were pretty sophisticated about a lot of things back then. But do you realize you said some of the words that are said on TV today, your station would have been taken off the air, you would have been thrown in jail, and your company would have been fined. How in the world did we get so wicked to show the things that we show around this nation? No wonder there are people who want to live a perverted lifestyle, which they may or may not have the right to do. It's still sin. It's still wicked. But somehow they think they have a right to go into a kindergarten classroom and parade that wickedness in front of five and four-year-old children. 
Brother, that's about as low and filthy as people can get. I'm just simply saying it's a wicked day in which we live. He says here again in the verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. My wife remembers I used to have a white suit. Well, I don't know if it was white. It's probably more flesh covered color, wasn't it? Do you remember? Cream. It was cream colored. There you go. Uh, <laughs> now, I was uh, <clears throat> pounds lighter than what I am now. And I, I liked the suit, man. It fit me well. I looked dapper in that suit. I liked the way it looked, but there was a problem. If I wore it for longer than a half an hour, it always had something on it. Something about those color suits. For instance, if I did this, now without looking through it, what do you see there? White sheet of paper. All right. Let's see, do I have a pen? I don't. Oh, you got a pen. There you go. Besides my spit that's on it now. Now what do you see? You see a smudge and hopefully a dot right there. Okay. I mean, and now you can't look. If you get close enough to where you can see, you can't look at this paper without seeing that dot. And yet that dot only covers a very small percentage of the sheet of paper. You wear a nice white, cream, flesh-colored suit, and you get one little dot in it, and everybody's eyes... It's like it's standing there going, look at me. I got news for you. You try to walk with God and live a clean life, but you mess up. That's all people see from now on. Is that mess up. You may have lived good and wonderful most all of your life, but it's that one mess up. That's what they're going to see. But the scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm preaching, trying to think how I can throw this back to you without hurting one of you. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> that would really be embarrassing. You know, oh, no. I'd be embarrassed. Anyway, but you see, It begins with the heart. Scripture says, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We've got a world that puts so much garbage into their mind and into their heart. Scripture says, mine eye affecteth my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Scripture says that we're to put away from ourselves a forward mouth. The reality is, child of God, he wants us blameless. Now listen to this. Let me give you a few verses. 1 Corinthians 1.8, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 2, he warns us about the last days again. And tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 
that our walk is to be blameless. In 1 Timothy 5, 7, the scripture says, and these things give in charge that they may be blameless. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that they may be found of him in peace without spot, blameless. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 declares, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's what God wants for all of us. That's not just for the pastor. And it's not just for the deacons. It's for all those who name the name of Christ. We are to have a walk that glorifies the holy, perfect, sinless Son of God. You see, these are, yes, they're tough days. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then he says, stand therefore. Young people. You've been coming to a church that believes this book is true. For most all of you, your parents believe this book is true. This book has seen them through an awful lot. In many cases, your grandparents as well. This book has seen them through an awful lot in life. They found life and strength and comfort in the truth of God's word. The battle now again, it's for this book. It's for standing, thus for thus saith the Lord. Do you realize if you don't stand for this book, then you have no gospel to preach and you have no Savior to love. All that we know about Jesus that we need to know is given in this book. It's either true or it's a lie. One or the other. There's no middle ground. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, No man comes to the Father but by me. According to Jesus, he is the only way to heaven. And the apostle Peter thundered it out in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And he said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, it's by this book right here that we know who Jesus is and we know what he did. It's by this book right here that we know how to get saved. We know how to go to heaven. For the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, this book not only tells us how to know him, how to come to him, how to trust him and receive that free gift of eternal life. It also tells us how to live for him. Why is it that some people feel it's so important to try to tear the belief of this book down? I understand the world not liking its message. I get that. They didn't like Jesus. I get that. But I don't understand why people who come from churches like ours think somehow they're going to be some kind of a hero to people by tearing down the very book that brought them the truth of the Son of God and the salvation that gave them eternal life and the hope of glory. 
There's a battle out there. It's going on. And he says, stand, therefore. Now, I realize it's popular today to stand for perversion. I realize it's popular today to stand against the establishment. I get that. I come from the, I was a, you know, a product of the 1960s when you always stood against you know, the modern powers that be and all of that. I understand that desire in the heart. But for people who know Christ as our Savior, why would they try to take the very foundation of what they believe away from them? Because you take away this book and you have no hope. Salvation's only in one. It's in Christ. You take away this book and you don't even know that. Stand, therefore. Stand. Again? Got to fight this battle again? Yeah, every generation's had to fight it. Matter of fact, way back in the garden is where it began. And it was Satan who brought the message. Yea, hath God said. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And how I plead tonight that the Spirit of God would move upon hearts. Lord, this morning, deal with hearts. If there's one here without Christ as Savior, may they come to the Son of God, we pray, and find that free gift of eternal life. God, I pray for believers today. Yes, may we dig in, say, bless God, we're standing. And as a songwriter wrote, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. God, have your way in every life today, we pray in Jesus' name.